0: Father, we just thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you that tonight we we don't just open our Bibles, we open our hearts. And we thank you that the words, the words that come directly from your heart would influence our hearts. Right now we lay our opinions on the altar and we ask them to die. We want truth. We desire. We desire to discover everything that Jesus purchased for us on the cross. Forgive us for not Ever looking for the treasure forgive us for satisfying for way less forgive us for living in pig pens when you've caught us to live in the celebratory fellowship of the Trinity open the eyes of our understanding we thank you for the spirit of wisdom and revelation crown our focus right now we we lay down any preconceived idea and we say we want to experience your pure glory in Jesus precious name all God's people say amen Amen. Thank you, Kim. So two weeks ago, we started a train of thought on humility. And I want us all to know that we cannot exhaust the divine attribute of humility. You really need to understand how precious humility is. The reason we're going through this is because I desire to see a family our family. I want to see men lead their families with humility representing Christ. I want to see mothers. I want to see I want to see every I want to see the children learning how important it is to be humble but not the world's definition of humble. Please hear me. The world's definition of humility goes like this is the reason the world teaches humility is because of self-confidence. Be humble because you want to know your worth. I'm humble because I know his worth. I'm humble because that's the way. Humility is the way. Jesus did not come to this earth to show us what humility looks like. He came to the earth because he's humble. And in order for us to truly understand humility, what did we talk about last time? We talked about God as our creator. How can you, there's, the truth is we should be so humbled when we realize we're the creation. We're the creation. In Romans one, we went through it at the end, that the, did you know that the Bible says that the world is full of the goodness of God. Did you know that? The world is full of the goodness of God. It says it in the Psalms. What does it say in Romans? It tells us that the goodness of God leads people to what? Repentance, and in Romans one, it also says that people will be without an excuse because all creation testifies of the creator. So we have to humble ourselves to realize he's the creator were the creation. That's 101 humility, okay? What I want to talk about tonight is God's sovereignty. Now, sovereignty is a very, very hot debated topic in the body of Christ. And I have wrestled with this very much so and probably have a lot of the same questions that anybody understands about sovereignty would have. Before I get to that train of thought tonight, don't get caught up in what we're not after, okay? What we're after is humility. And to, when we read the Word of God, our hearts should come to the Word and we should desire to be humbled by this book. That, but what our minds wanna do is we want to understand in order to have peace. But did you, the thing you have to realize, if you have to understand to have peace, that peace is manufactured because the Bible says that God wants to give us peace that surpasses understanding. The peace that we desire can come through faith alone. Truly believing, and we're gonna read some passages, but we want humility to be created in our hearts, and and to give the spoiler alert for where we're going next week, is when you understand God is creator, and you understand God is sovereign. What do I mean by sovereign? Sovereignty means that God is all-powerful, all-knowing. He knows the beginning and the end, and no matter what, nothing is going to stop his purpose from being accomplished. Would you all believe that? Okay? It's funny how we can agree on things, but when it comes to the day-to-day, sometimes the things we believe We don't allow it to practically be applied in our day to day. And when we understand that God's creator and then God is sovereign, all-knowing, all-powerful, and he chose the cross, your mind should be blowing out of your skull right now. You're telling me he's creator. He's in charge. He created us. He's sovereign. He knows the end from the beginning, yet he chose. Sometimes we as Christians are like, well, that's just the way it had to be. I, I actually think that the reason humility isn't being produced the way it should be is because we don't allow these revelations. To, to rest on our hearts to the point where we say, you chose to do that. Thank you, Lord. It was the joy set before you that you endured the cross that you created. You knew from the beginning and that's what you chose. That should humble us because what do we naturally desire to choose we desire, we naturally choose things that benefit us the best. Does the cross seem like something that benefited Christ the best in the moment? But in the eternal landscape, it was worth it. And I, that's why when we sing a song like, I'll never know how much it Cost," Yes, we'll have the mind of Christ and we'll be good, but the, 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 creati- the, cre- the creative, the create the understanding of that is I am not creator and I am not sovereign and I, ha- I have no I have like zero point point I, well, not point point but point zero 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 one percent revelation on that and I am on my knees saying God you you chose that for me I'm the creation You're the creator, and you chose that so that I could know what great love is. So I could know. You see, you see, when you allow the revelation from the word to begin to penetrate your heart, it puts you in the right place. It doesn't put you in a place like, oh, I can, I can I'm just gonna run shot like this. Is no, I'm like, wait, wait. (laughs) Push the glorious brakes of be still and know that he is God. So are we good with this journey? Next week we'll talk about the cross and humility and Jesus' example he set. You're not going to want to miss that. But tonight I want to talk about the sovereignty of God which I'm being vulnerable with you, this is a hot topic that I have wrestled with, very much so. But I find that the things that we wrestle with God the most on, has anybody heard of Jacob? He wrestled with God. He wrestled with God and he walked away limping the rest of his life, learning to depend on him alone. And if there was one thing Jacob learned in that wrestle match, is he learned not to let go. He held on. Even when it didn't make sense, even when he didn't fully understand what was going on. And uh, if you go to Psalm 86, how many people love the Psalms? We've been talking. David seemed like a hot mess sometimes. <laughs> and that's why we love them, Because we can find our hot mess when we read them. David didn't write all the Psalms, but. In Psalm 86, in verse 8, we're going to read a lot of scripture tonight. You guys thankful for that? Psalm 86 is beautiful, but I'm just going to read four scriptures from it. Starting in verse 8, it says, Among the gods, there is none like you, O Lord. You'll notice it's mini G's in proper translation. Among the gods, there is none like you, O Lord. Nor are there any works like your works. Do you all believe that? Please believe that. All nations whom you have made shall come and worship before you, O Lord, and shall glorify your name. Did anybody make nations? You see, people think they make things. All nations whom you have made shall come and worship before you, O Lord. And what are they gonna do? They're gonna glorify your name. You know, the Bible says, Matt, Matt said it during worship. One day, it says in Philippians, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. Did you know that's whether they want to or not? Because this is the only time in eternity your choice is available. Their worship and glorifying God is not optional when you see him in that type of glory. That's why when we choose to worship him, now it is the greatest sacrifice. That means that no matter what you're going through when you don't feel like it. Did you know how beautiful that is to him? And even if you start worshiping him, and then you don't feel better, I just want you to know, who cares? <laughs> yeah. Amen. Is, he, is he worthy only because you feel better? No. There's a lot of people that want to be delivered from how they feel, but not how they live. Yes. Feelings, you don't want your feelings accommodated. You want them, you want them in harmony with his word. Did you know that the word of God will produce the most authentic emotions? The purest emotions. Verse 10, for you are great and do wondrous things. You alone are God. Would everybody agree with that? Yes. Teach me your way, O oh Lord. Can we say that out loud? Teach me your way, O oh Lord. I will walk in your truth. Unite my heart to fear your name. I want to say something about this as we get this journey going, because in order for us to truly begin to get an understanding of the sovereignty of God, we really have to understand truth. And would we believe that our culture, the world, that there is a major attack on what? Truth. A major attack on truth. Truth is defined by feelings now. That's why I I went hard a moment. I was in the paint before. (laughs) This is what you have to understand. Truth. Uh, This is gonna sound a little bit of a radical statement. This is how I'm, where I'm at with God right now. So I'm, I'm just sharing from my heart. Did you know that every time you commune with God, it should be a confrontation to who you are? Hear me out. What happens when imperfections commune with perfection? What happens when disabilities commune with limitless ability? What happens when finite perception communes with infinite wisdom if we truly desired truth we would want to constantly be corrected this is this is where the hypocrisy of the church can come into play is that we learn a few things and we all of a sudden Feel like we can coast or we're a little further along than some other people and we justify our growth and compare where we're at but the truth is the truth is that we are all on a journey and every day we should desire to be corrected because jesus said in john chapter eight, what he says those that know the truth if you abide in my word you're my disciples indeed in you shall know the truth, and what? The truth shall set you free. Okay, so when we read that scripture, teach me your way, O Lord, I will walk in your truth. Do you understand there are so many people that love the will of God, but they don't like the ways of God? Jesus himself came to this planet, and he, in the, the, the humanity side of him, asked God if there was any other way. Biblical suffering is very real because it's the, it's, the, it's, it's the crucifying of the selfish will of man to embrace his perfect will. We said it before, the secret place is where the beauty of his will erases the need for me to have my own. That oftentimes we project our expectations on God instead of allowing the scriptures and his heart to create the proper lens of who he is. So does everybody get me on truth that there's actually a confront, there should actually be confrontation in a good way when you read scripture. Is anybody, is anybody, I think a lot of us would agree, we don't like controversial things, especially with family, things like that, when you know something has to be said, things like that, but what, what happens is truth sets us free, and that's just like a natural thing, but how much more, when we talk to God, should we be saying, especially if, if we feel a certain way or things are going on, how, like, if, how much more so should when we commune with God say, Lord, I desire to walk in your truth and whatever needs to be exposed, whatever, uh, my wife and I, we heard a statement um, this past week when we went away for a few days, we happened to go uh, over on the East Coast and visited a friend of ours, uh, church, and a statement was made that it says, oftentimes our deliverance is in our brother's mouth, but we're too offended to listen to what they have to say. So many times we want God to deal with us at the altar But it says in Matthew five, it says, before you, before you come and worship, go deal with your brother who you have an offense against. God says, I don't even receive this worship right now. Because you're faking it. Because I'm the God of reconciliation. Don't worship me for being the God of reconciliation and not imitate the reconciliation and represent it because worship is not songs, worship is life. Truth is confrontational. This is why the American church is going to get more and more, their eyes are going to open because there are certain things that we can agree upon in this room, maybe, when it comes to things as, you know, there, there are denominations that are openly welcoming homosexuality uh, in leadership. Do you realize even with abortions, do you know what God says about a child sacrifice? Sometimes the church is so worried about an antichrist not realizing that the greatest antichrist spirit is selfishness. The antichrist is self. (laughs) Because that's what's going to empower that type of mindset. And what's happening in our world is that at first the argument for abortion was, well, what about rape and what about those things, and that that can touch our heartstrings and we can maybe understand for a second, but then as soon as abortion gets put in as it's, it's a law and you're not supposed to or whatever, all of a sudden everybody says, well, that means we can't hook up anymore. And all of a sudden the hearts get exposed because they have their, people have their reasons for selfishness and they'll try to make a nice little story or argument that pulls on heartstrings because an angel will come as light. But then once things get enforced, all of a sudden you start hearing where people are really at. And that might be an, a radical example, but what happens in our own lives when we say, God, do whatever you want in my heart, and then he starts pulling up the carpet to see what's going on under. And he's not doing it because he hates you. He's not doing it because he's got a vendetta against you. He's doing it because he wants you, all of you. Teach me your way, O Lord, and I will walk in your truth. Unite my heart to fear your name. I wanna read this quote to you to sum up what I just said. The liberation of the soul is tied to the fervent desire to be corrected and transformed by truth. The liberation of the soul is tied to the fervent desire to be corrected and transformed by truth. We're saved by faith alone through grace. That's true, but there are so many people that claim to be born again that I see are more depressed and more over anxiety over the dumbest things. And it's because the enemy has them deceived because they don't want to be transformed and corrected by truth. We should come into this house and say, God, correct me. God, correct me. Please correct me. Because you should look at the world and say, oh, what the world needs is correction. Because that's love. Whom the Lord loves, he corrects. We should all say, Lord, thank you for correcting me. Thank you for revealing I was headed down a path of destruction. If we truly realized how valuable correction was, we would not get offended as easily as we do. Offense is refusing correction. A simple example, and I I, I always want to caveat when I give, I, I never, this is just my heart posture in this, whenever I share a story about myself, I don't ever want that story to in any way insinuate anything about myself other than giving glory to God. So I'm sharing just, my wife and I, just the other day, we're we're at a restaurant, somebody, the waitress, she forgot to give me my coffee. Does anybody like coffee? Does anybody like it in the morning? When you're on vacation and just want to, that was what my wife and I went on a getaway for the first time in a while without the kids. It was beautiful. The waitress forgot my coffee and didn't just 15, 20 minutes. Didn't come back to get our order. My wife pointed it out at one moment. No, but either one, she's like, oh, you haven't got your coffee yet. And the waitress comes over and she says, she starts saying, can I, she brought three things over. She's like, I'm so sorry, I forgot your coffee. You probably, you know, like, and the first thing I said to her is I said, I said, ma'am, I said, I don't have, I don't always have these kind of opportunities to be patient even when I don't get something I want in the moment and I want to reveal the kindness of Jesus. Because even though you may have forgot, I let God do a work in my heart for patience so that you can know how kind and patient God is towards you. And she said, I wish every customer was like you. I could have demanded or or spoke to the manager and said, you know, there's not a lot of people in here, why isn't this person give, give, and, but in that moment, The gospel was preached, the character of God was revealed, because I didn't think of myself, but I thought about Christ being formed in my heart and a situation that seemed like it's not a big deal. Can we start talking about the sovereignty of God? You're like, you haven't even started. What's your problem? Uh, (laughs) That situation seems like. It's just a little situation, and and you could say, oh, he made the right choice. Did you know, have you read the Bible? Have you ever read the story of Jonah? Did you know God spoke to a fish? And he told the fish to go pick Jonah up and take him to where he didn't want to go? Remember, we were talking about God's sovereign. And if God wants Jonah to go to Nineveh. (laughs) But not only that. He goes to Nineveh. And the people repent. And he's mad. He's mad that God showed mercy on those pagans and on those Gentiles. He's mad. And you know what God does next? He speaks to a tree. And he tells the tree to grow and give Jonah a little bit of shade. Does that sound like a little, does, doesn't that sound like it's, it shouldn't be like a, that God is focused on this man And what's happening so much that he speaks to a fish to make sure he goes to where he needs to. And then when his attitude's not right, he speaks to a tree to bless him. And then he he makes the tree shrivel up because he speaks to a little worm and tells that worm to go after that. And you see, why am I bringing this up? God spoke to a fish. He spoke to a, a tree. He spoke to a worm. I didn't even he spoke to the, the weather too. Does that sound like Jesus? Remember, Jesus came. He spoke to fish. He made the fish catch. He spoke to Peter. Said, go get said, go get a coin out of the fish's mouth. What did Jesus do? He spoke to the weather. Be still. He spoke to a tree. He cursed it. What I want you to know is God is way more involved than you think. Things that you think are coincidence. What do you think Jonah's take is on the sovereignty of God? What do you think the apostles seeing in real time that he is ruling even over the government. We're about to read some passages that are gonna make some people upset, but it's okay. Because truth is confrontational, but it produces something beautiful if you surrender. If you surrender to it, it'll produce the most beautiful thing. (laughs) Perfect peace. Joy unspeakable. Psalm 33. I actually want to read the whole song. No, actually, for the sake of time. Ugh. All right, we'll do all of it. Posture your hearts. Rejoice in the Lord, O you righteous, for praise from the upright is beautiful. Praise the Lord with the harp. Make melody to him with an instrument of 10 strings. Sing to him, oh, we were disobedient. Do we have 10 strings? I'm just, I'm just playing. Uh, sing to him a new song. Play skillfully with a shout of joy. For the word of the Lord is right and all his work is done in what? Our biggest offenses are actually all centered in lies. He loves righteousness and justice. The earth is full of the goodness of the Lord. Remember I just said that earlier. By the word of the Lord the heavens were made and all the host of them by the breath of his mouth. Do we see how powerful he is? almost insulting, sometimes the way we perceive and believe him, but he's so gracious to, to help us. He gathers the waters of the sea together as a heap. He lays up the deep in the storehouses. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in all of him. For he spoke and it was done. He commanded and stood, f- stood fast. Do you realize that God did not break a sweat when he hung all the stars up in the sky? He did not for a minute toil. Yet, the, yet we could be having a busy week and can fall into a manic depression. I'm even speaking to myself, there's been times you can just let things get overwhelming. But watch this, verse 10, the Lord brings the counsel of the nations to nothing. So all of you that are investing a lot of time watching the news, maybe you should read Psalm 33. I need a bigger amen than that. I'm telling you, you got to get your eyes on how powerful he is. Don't you allow the media. Don't you allow the media to counsel your soul. Don't even allow the media to control your emotions. Let's read that again. The Lord brings the counsel of nations to nothing. He makes the plans of the people of no effect so you that are super concerned about what people are doing in high places of wickedness, you have a choice to make tonight. You can keep investing all your time and energy to see how they're trying to depopulate civilization. Which for, just for the record, they, they could very well be doing it and very well, there's a lot of proof, things of that are happening. But I want you to see the Lord brings the counsel of the nations to nothing. He makes the plans of the people of no effect. Now the thing that would cause a disconnect here is are we after God's purpose or our purpose? Because the next verse will help us to discern that. The counsel of the Lord stands forever. The plans of his heart to all generations. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, the people he has chosen as his own inheritance. You should let this be a... A drink of water to a parched mouth to your soul. We're not done. Acts 17. Paul is preaching to a bunch of heathens that have no relationship with God at all. And I'm not gonna go through his whole sermon. If you're in the home studies, get ready for when we go to Acts 17. But in verse 22, actually, verse 26, Paul says this to a bunch of heathens as he's revealing God to them. Are you ready for this? Paul says this in the word of God. And he, speaking of God, has made from one blood every nation of men to dwell on all the face of the earth and has determined their pre-appointed times and boundaries of their dwellings. (laughs) I'm going to read that again. God made from one blood every nation of men to dwell on the face of the earth and has determined their pre-appointed times and the boundaries of their dwellings. (laughs) Verse 27, so that, so there's a reason for it, so that they would seek the Lord in the hope that they might grope for him and find him, though he is not far from each one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being as also some of your own poets have said, for we are also his offspring. What is is this saying? This is saying that God could have put you, we prayed it in any time in history, but he put you in the most, he put you in the best place based off his sovereignty that you would come to know him. That's what that's saying. This is saying that you here being at Gold Street tonight, that God preordained that you would be alive right now so that your affections would be open to see him and to know him and that you would realize that in him, we live and move and have our being. That not only is he in charge of where you were born and where you lived, he knew you before that. He knew the perfect place. He set it up. And not only that, it says that people are looking for him. And as they're looking for him, they find out that the very air they're breathing is because of his word. He holds it all together. There's more verses. (laughs) Can I fire some off to you? Psalm 115 verse three, but our God is in heaven and he does whatever he pleases. (laughs) Are you gonna argue with God? Why is this happening? You know I did a sermon a long time ago it's called while I'm here oh, yeah, I remember that. <laughs> while I'm here Shelby I love you uh, <laughs> while I'm here and the whole point of the sermon was walking through Paul at the end of his his tenure when he's getting shipwrecked and vipers are biting him And that Paul didn't want any of that to happen. He actually tried to tell people we shouldn't go this way. And they still went. And Paul had this mentality that I don't really like what's happening. But while I'm here, I'm going to glorify the Lord. While I'm here. While I'm here, you may be in a situation that you're asking God and everybody for counsel for. And I want you to know that your deliverance is not just in somebody just laying hands on you or things of that nature. Your deliverance is in your hard posture saying, while I'm here God, will work in me don't let this trial go to waste don't let this thing that's happening in my life don't let me just complain about it no God what are you doing in me just like Jonah you may be speaking to the tree right now God you may be speaking to a worm in my life to get my attention you might be speaking to a donkey to get my attention when I am convinced that this is what I'm supposed to be doing do you know God is doing something way greater in all of us. He sits in the heavens and he does what he pleases. And you know what? I don't find that arrogant. I say, because you chose the cross, because of the way you love, you can do whatever you please in my life. I I humbly submit to your sovereign rule. I humbly submit to it because you, You lead by example. You are not a God that asked me to do something that you are not willing to do yourself. And that's why Jesus came. So that there would never be people that could shake their fists and say, you do whatever you want, but you don't know. Jesus came. And he came. And he got beat with the hands that he created. He got his beard pulled. They mocked him and put him on a cross. He says, forgive them for they know not what they do. He sits in the heavens and he does whatever he pleases and it pleased him to bruise his son. I honor you that you do what you please. You do whatever you please. You do whatever you please. If that would be our hard posture, I believe we would see radical transformation in all hearts. That when, that when we are saying, who, who wants to be a part of serving our community? Who wants to be a part of seeing children get raised up in the things of God? Nobody would say, ah, that's just not me. No, we would say, let's do this as a family. Let's do this together. Because he came and he didn't just say, I'm going to, I'm just gonna make I'm gonna hire somebody to die on the cross. I'll just hire somebody. No. He came. Are you thankful he came? Proverbs 1633. The lot is cast into the lap, and a lot is just like somebody rolling the dice. The lot is cast at the lab, but watch. But every decision, everybody say, every decision, every decision is from the Lord. Every decision is from the Lord. God, why'd you put that in the Bible? That's that's intense. Once again, I'm not here to try to make sense out of all this, I want it to humble me. Now, think about this real quickly. This is the main question we have when it comes to the sovereignty of God. How can God be all powerful, all knowing, in control, and then there be what? Free will or choice, how how is that possible? The Lord's been dealing with me about this a lot because I believe that when we have two truths and one seems more logical, we disqualify the other one. And I believe that when we get to eternity, when we get to heaven, when we see, we're gonna see that these two truths that seem to contradict each other, that it seems like they were opposite roads, when we get to heaven, we're going to see that they merged. That's what I truly believe. And I want to show you that. Why? That I believe that that's a biblical proposal. Right after this verse, Proverbs 21, 1. (laughs) The king's heart is in the hand of the Lord. Think about that. Watch. And that's, what else does it say? The king's heart is in the hand of the lord like the rivers of water he turns it wherever he wishes i feel the fear of the lord it's beautiful though we prayed to be united in the fear of the lord now here's the verse revelation four eleven. you know the song we sing worthy of it all we had david brimer come it was beautiful did you know that one of the things they say when they cast all their crowns before the Lord, this is what they say. They say all the elders and the living creatures, they're all But the elders, when they cast their crowns, this is what they say. They say, you are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power for you created what all, all things and by your will, they exist and were created. This is why they're worshiping, because they see why God created everything that he did. And the response is, God, why did you let that happen? Why did you allow that? Why did, no, the response is, I see it. Forgive me. I see what your plan was. I see your purpose. Our finite minds try to say, why would God allow that? Why would this happen? And if you knew the beginning from the end, you wouldn't have any questions. But if you only know your little part of the story, it's easy to buck who's upstairs, who's making these shots, who's calling for these things. Why are they, and this is what happens with bitterness, why people walk away from the Lord because they won't submit that he is doing something beautiful beyond our little desires, our little things. Is this helping anybody? I just wanna make sure I just, is that Isaiah 46, nine through 10 says, remember the former things of old for I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is none like me, declaring the end from the beginning and from the ancient times things that are not yet done saying my counsel shall stand and I will do all my pleasure. Did you know we can rest at night knowing that God will get what he desires and he will get it once. Now this is the thing is you can either resent that be thinking and challenging the way God does things, or you could submit and say, I want to be a vessel. Put me anywhere. Do whatever you need to do in me. And that's where this inward reality, I want to experience. Is there anybody in this room that wants to experience perfect peace? I, I, like, I, I'm, I'm asking you genuinely, do I don't think we've actually tasted the, the purity the peace of God, because our peace is so often connected to what we understand. I wanna taste pure joy, and I don't believe pure joy is just an outcome alone. I believe that the fullness of joy is in the presence. Did you know that there's a reality that this whole world could shut down tomorrow? They could declare World War III, and I believe a message like this tonight would have all of us wake up tomorrow and say, he, he's in the heavens and he does whatever he pleases because he's the one that stirs the hearts of even the antagonist, even the evil rulers of this world, you're like, no, you don't get it, pastor. No, no, you don't get it. That, Jesus was literally crucified by the evil rulers of the age. He used all of the evil to bring about our salvation. What has changed from then till now? The only thing that could change is your inward narrative. Psalm 1921, or Proverbs 1921. You guys good? There are many plans in a man's heart. Have you ever, have you looked at things a bunch of ways? You know, I get in my car with my little girl sometimes. We get in the car and we're not even out of the neighborhood. And she says, are we there yet? The Lord reminds me of that all the time. I'll just hear her say that and I'm just like, We literally just pulled out of the driveway. But guess what? It's going to feel like forever for her now because she's so concerned with the timeline instead of enjoying the ride, enjoying the fellowship, enjoying the journey there. Let's play I Spy. I Spy with my little, like let's enjoy the ride, because as soon as you get caught up with the questions on why not now, what is this happening, what is this, you actually make it harder on yourself. You kick against the goads, as it says in Acts. You, you're fighting, you're fighting my plan. But I'll even use what the is using for evil in your life for good because he's in control of it all. And I wanna make sure we're biblically saying this because Psalm 135 verses five through seven says, for I know that the Lord is great and our Lord is above all gods. Whatever the Lord pleases, he does in heaven and in earth, in the seas and in all deep places. He causes the vapors to ascend from the ends of the earth. He makes lightning for the rain He brings the wind out of his treasures, treasuries. Do we believe this? Because you have to ask yourself these questions. Do you believe when there's a thunderstorm outside that it's just a part of nature? Or do you believe that God is performing a symphony? Do you like do you like here? But this is where we have to if our minds immediately try to move away from what scripture says, it's going to actually create a chasm in our trust. It's going to create barriers and limitations. If there's more dew on the ground one day, is that by coincidence? Like that's you're, Some of you might be like, man, you're just making a too big of a deal. No, I, I, am, I am being so humbled by how powerful he is. That if I have a moment to exalt Him, if I have a moment to say, God, why am I worried about frivolous things when You tell the lightning when to strike? You you do these things that are so amazing, and and we haven't even help me. Proverbs 16.4, this is a verse that you won't like with your natural mind. Truth is confrontational. Proverbs 16.4, the Lord has made all, everyone say all, all, for himself. Now watch. Yes, even the wicked for the day of doom. That's a hard one, I wanna be real. Whatever this is saying, I want it to humble me. I want it to produce something in me. The Lord has made all for himself, yes, even the wicked for the day of doom. Daniel chapter two. Verses 20 through 23, Daniel answered and said, blessed be the name of God forever and ever for wisdom and might are his. And he changes the times and the season. He removes kings and raises up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. He reveals deep and secret things. He knows what is in the darkness and light dwells with him. I thank you and praise you, O God of my fathers. You have given me wisdom and might and have now made known to me what we asked of you, for you have made known to us the king's demand. Second Chronicles 25 verse eight, but if you go, be gone, be strong in battle, even so God shall make you fall before the enemy, for God has power to help and to overthrow. Do you see these verses? These are not the verses that we've, I, I hear people quote a lot. And on here, these might not be the verses on your bathroom mirror. But last time I checked, all scripture is inspired, and it's for the equipping, the edifying, the maturing of the saints. So guess what, if you're not eating your broccoli scriptures, you're not maturing the way you should. And I am guilty of it. I come before you all and I say, I've been reading these scriptures and I'm saying, Lord, forgive me for reading the Bible through a narrative that I like. Because you know it all, and that my definitions are shallow compared to your infinite wisdom and I humbly submit the reason a lot of us say well if God's really like that nobody's going to come the road is narrow yeah, that's right it's not supposed to be this everybody gets free ice cream those that love him and those that treasure him forevermore, we will celebrate. This is a moment. And if you're all about this moment and what you can get out of it, you will lose your life. If that's all you're after, you will waste it. Even with scripture, even with Christian terminology. The Pharisees, John chapter eight, Jesus is trying to tell them, and they say, we are the descendants of Abraham. How dare you say that? He says, you're the father, or you're the children of the devil. He says, your father is the devil. They thought that they were inheriting the promise of God. He says, no, your your hearts are wicked. He had no problem with confrontation because he wanted them to see how deceived they were. When you want somebody to see how deceived they are, you have no problem. If your child, if your child was running towards the road, you're not going to say, Hey, can we, can we talk about that? You know, can we have a meeting next week? You know, no, you would just be like, you would, you wouldn't care if you dislocated their arm, you would not care if they got scratches from you dragging them out. You would not care whatever it takes. Whatever it takes. I. Let's do this. Go to Colossians chapter one. And then uh, we'll wrap this up for tonight. There is so much more. Just I'm looking at my notes and laughing. I'm just like. We, we might have to even spend two weeks on this, but we'll, we'll see. Colossians one, starting in verse 15, he, Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created through him and what? For him. I just want to ask you a question. Is there, is there a qualifier there? Is there? This is saying all dominions, all, they were all created through him and for him. This is hard for us to understand, but once again, did, G, did God not use? the wicked works of the enemy to bring about salvation what about joseph do you know how many times he if he would have heard what we're taught today and a lot of how you know how much he would have been rebuking the devil i rebuke the devil i'm in this pit i rebuke the devil this is happening to me i rebuke the devil that i was framed for sexual adult, for he's like He would have been like, why am I in prison? I rebuke, I rebuke, I rebuke. Better watch, you don't rebuke your refinement. It's, you see, it's something David, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Daniel, Abraham. You go through it and you will find over and over again that God takes what the enemy does for evil, and he uses it as a chess piece on his board. But it's how our hearts respond that will truly dictate a lot. But when we read here, it says, And he is before all things, and in him all things consist, and he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he may have preeminence. For it pleased the Father that in him, in Christ, all the fullness should dwell, and by him to reconcile all things to himself. By him, whether things on earth or things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of his cross. Okay. Matt, you can come. If worship team can come. I'm gonna fire off four passages in closing. Are you ready for this? Please keep your heart postured, please. I know it's late, but I'm telling you, this is so good for our hearts. Please, what we're about to read, let it impact you in a way. Just open your heart and let this hit you. Romans 11. Verses. 33 through 36 says this. Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. Can I ask everybody a real quick question? Everybody look at me real quick. Does anybody in this room believe that there will be one person in hell that doesn't deserve it? That's a radical statement I just made. It's something that we believe, but if God is perfect in justice and he knows all, and we really believe that, that actually changes things. Just that statement alone, just that question alone. He's perfect in justice. There's not one person. Verse 34, for who has known the mind of the Lord or who has become his counselor or who has first given to him and it shall be repaid to him for of him and through him and to him are all things to whom be glory forever, amen. Go to Romans chapter nine. This passage is very difficult. Are you ready? Verse 14, what shall we say then? Is there unrighteousness with God? Certainly not. Would everybody say, certainly not? Certainly not. God is not unrighteous in his ways. For he says to Moses, I will have mercy on whomever I will have mercy and I will have compassion on whomever I will have compassion. Can we right now all thank the Lord that he had mercy and compassion on us? You see, the way you read this will determine how you live your life and your heart. Because if you read this passage and you immediately question, well, why does God have mercy on some and compassion on the other. Well, the Bible in its whole context will share with you God's counsel. If you get into the whole book and you read from front to the end, it will begin to, you'll begin to think like God. You'll begin to taste his, his justice, the way he does things. But our response should not be to question with a interrogative heart. But we should actually get humbled and what if we read this and had that response what if i read this and I, we just the lord will have mercy on whomever you'll have mercy he will have, mercy and he'll have compassion on whoever he will have compassion and i thank him and i thank him and then i start having mercy and compassion on everyone i come into contact with because he did it to me and he and And he's perfect in justice, so how could I choose who I'm going to... I have to just give it, because he gave it to me. Verse 16, so then it is not of him who wills, nor of him who runs, but of God who shows mercy. For the scriptures say to Pharaoh, for this very purpose I have raised you up, that I may show my power in you, and that my name may be declared in all the earth. Therefore, he has mercy on whom he wills and whom he wills he hardens. You will say to me then, why does he still find fault? For who has resisted his will? But indeed, O man, who are you to reply against God? Will the thing formed say to him who formed it, why have you made me like this? Do you see that statement? What is happening in our culture right now? God made a mistake. Why'd you make me like this? Shh. Does not the potter have power over the clay from the same lump to make one vessel for honor and another for dishonor? What if God wanting to show his wrath and to make his power note endured with much long suffering the vessels of wrath prepared for destruction and? that he might make known the riches of his glory on the vessels of mercy, which he had prepared beforehand for glory. Even us whom he called, not of the Jews only, but also of the Gentiles, as he also says in Hosea, I will call them my people who are not my people and her beloved who is not beloved. And it shall come to pass in the place where it was said to them, you are not my people and they shall be called sons of the living God. Isaiah also cries out concerning Israel, though the numbers of the children of Israel may be as the sand of the sea, the remnant will be saved. For he will finish the work and cut it short in righteousness because the Lord will make a short work upon the earth. And as Isaiah said before, unless the Lord of Sabbath had left us a seed, we would have become like Saddam and we would have been made like Gomorrah. You see how thankful And finally, go to Matthew 10, and this is where we're closing, open the altar. Matthew 10, Jesus himself, he says this in verse 27. He says, whatever I tell you in the dark, speak in the light, and what you hear in the ear, preach on the housetops. And do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul but rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Watch this. Are not two sparrows sold for a copper coin and not one of them falls to the ground apart from your father's will? Did you just read that? Did anybody drive by roadkill on the way over here? This says, Because we have to understand, if we challenge the thought process here, it says that not one sparrow falls to the ground apart from your Father's will. And then what's the next verse? But the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Do not fear, therefore, you are more valuable than the sparrows. So let me ask you a question. If not one sparrow falls to the ground without God knowing something being part from his will, why do you think so many things in your life are just happenstance? Why do you think so many things are just coincidence or you give so much credit to people in your life that have maybe put you through things in life? Maybe you give so much credit to other things in your life when God puts you in a specific spot. He gave boundaries so that you would seek and know him. Maybe instead of asking so many questions and allowing bitterness to fester, maybe tonight we say, Lord, you're in the heaven and you do whatever you please and I'm thankful for it. And tonight I want to surrender afresh to how powerful you are. I wanna surrender afresh to the understanding that you really are infinite in wisdom and know the beginning from the end. And forgive me for making a big stink about the middle when I don't fully see what you see.